What about iPhones and Androids? Ooh, very difficult. <laughs> Why'd you start with like an impossible one? That's because um, that, that's why yeah, I thought that would be mm, a fun one to trip you up. I think both are postmodern. Okay. Flip phones modern. <sighs> Blackberry. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Right. Okay. Uh, no, Blackberry's the most postmodern, actually. Okay. What about a razor? I feel like that's even more. I think it could be modern. Hmm. See, by starting with something so difficult, though, okay. now it seems like I'm making it up. <laughs> Coffee know? and tea. Try that one. Both modern. Okay. What's the Maybe both pre-modern, actually. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, you're admitting too many different new categories. <laughs> I know, you, I know. You have to, like, just come down on one side or the other. Okay, place. okay. Um, all right, laptops versus desktop computers. I don't know. Um, it's hard because I feel like there's so much variation in both, you know? Like mm -hmm. those laptops that open up all the way that you can like flip around and use as a tablet. Those are perverted. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Those are postmodern. But I think okay. like, okay, MacBook Pro versus what iMac? Mm -hmm. iMac modern. Okay. Laptop postmodern. Okay. That sounds all right. I buy it. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, actually, that's what that's that's all I got for the moment. Um, <coughs> oh shit! Oh god! <laughs> Lorenzo has COVID, and has COVID. Stay he keeps coughing into the mic, which yeah. is really an assault um, <laughs> on all of us. It is. Yeah. I will. I just when you're suffering, you want other people to also be suffering along with you so not me that's like you don't have that desire or you don't want to be suffering along with me both mm. mm -hmm. okay um but no i am sorry you have covid that nice. does suck that's been fine it's just it's more of an inconvenience like to my life than like a serious illness luckily so fortunately mm -hmm. i thank the sweet lord thank the sweet lord indeed yeah. oh, yeah. Man, well, how? Oh. You, yeah. No, you go I first. Gonna, I was gonna say, how was your birthright trip? Oh, God. <laughs> it was great. I'm Mexico, just kidding. Mexico City's so. Have you ever been to Mexico? Well, no, I've been to Tijuana. Yeah. For a single afternoon. Yeah, I mean, me too. When I was a kid, and I've, I've been a couple times on the like in Texas, well, in Mexico, mm -hmm. but on the Mexico side near Texas when I was a kid. Um, so this is my first time as an adult and Mexico City is so cool, at least in the middle part um, for like <laughs> in the part where we were, which is Roma, which is like a very nice neighborhood. It's very like, it kind of felt like budget Europe actually, like Ooh. in terms of like, and I only say budget because it's very cheap, like uh, like mm -hmm. otherwise it's it was beautiful. I mean, it looked like a European city. Um, it's wow. very green, the architecture is really beautiful. A lot of cool restaurants, a lot of cool vegan restaurants, which is, I was gonna say that very, is what I've heard. Based. Yeah. Great, great vegan food. Yeah. Um, a lot of good vegan good. food. Although it's kind of one of those places where, like, the vegan restaurant. There are vegan restaurants, but the places that are not vegan restaurants just do not have anything. That oh. Like, I, I I went went we went one evening to a place that was not, and I had, like, the worst salad I've ever eaten in my whole life. Um, 
because yeah. that was like the only thing that didn't have uh, flesh in it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I went to um, you know not northern Michigan, but a part of Michigan that is north of me near mm -hmm. Lake Michigan, um, and I was shocked by how few dairy-free options there were everywhere. Um, except this one place that I had really good soup, but it did have meat in it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I think I just take it for granted living in a liberal <laughs> yeah. city, you know, right. yeah. town even. I don't know what Ann Arbor is. Um, I, know. I guess yeah. it's a city. It really, it's one of my most, it's, it's one of the most difficult parts about my identity is because I have equal, not equal, but I love, you know, like, shitty Americana stuff. Like, right. I love the idea of going to, like, you know, a hot dog restaurant, like a stand, hot dog stand that has, like, a C health rating or something. Like, that sounds so cool. Oh. I just, you know, like, I don't know, roadside barbecue or some shit like that, you know? All of that sounds cool, but unfortunately, due to my moral uh, commitments, uh, not available to me, so. Yeah. That must be tough. Yeah, are you American first or vegan? Or vegan, vegan first, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's at yeah. the top. That is at the top, and then American shortly after. And then what? Um, God, I know there's a lot of different ones. There's there's British. Um, oh, no. There's Italian. There's Mexican. Um, you know all <laughs> all these different personae I inhabit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn. Annoying nerd, though, is definitely after that. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, podcaster? No. Podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you said was your, like, top identity trait. Yeah, even before Bef woman. Before woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, real heads remember. <laughs> yes. They cannot be no. podcasters. <laughs> Cows? <laughs> oh, all right. Never mind. We're not going down this road again because we have too much to talk about. We do have a lot um, to talk about today. Yeah. We are the second in our series on modernity, second of three. Um, you might be able to guess. Today we're talking about postmodernism. What is it? Why does it suck so bad? <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah yeah what is it and, and you know what's what sucks more than postmodernism is people who get mad at it not i don't mean i'm not adding you right uh, now i mean no 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 <laughs> i just i just mean, like it became very fashionable you know like for people who don't really like know what it is to just be like oh classic like like you remember there was like a bunch of people who are like oh trump is like a postmodern president because he's like post-truth you know you never heard people like saying that kind of shit no oh, no yeah, i that, didn't that ever was, hear that that was the thing that like suits su su pseudo intellectuals would say um i don't know maybe i just heard that once and it stuck in my ear it's just like so heinous but I'm i mean sure i that. think they're right no i'm just kidding <laughs> maybe not <laughs> well yeah uh, we can debate yeah listen he's playing a language game that's for sure he is oh, he, well yeah Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he is, but that's, yeah, but okay. Um, 
Before we jump into it, though, did we want to talk about the Institute for Christian Socialism article? The, yeah. The yeah, it is in the Bias magazine, though. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, between this, uh, Rebecca Jennings' recent Vox article about, uh, like, Tradcath e-girls, basically, um, and, you know, that one article, like, in Vanity Fair about the new mm-hmm. right, People are are listening to our podcast. Yeah. It's like they heard lot. the Tradcast E-Girl episode. Yeah. Which, you know, did it come out after the Vanity Fair episode or article? Technically, but yeah. God transcends space yeah, and time. That's right. I, yeah. That's a very postmodern understanding of space and time that you're demonstrating you. right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh what this article is okay so it's called the only way out is through um by eric baker and uh it was published on june 30th 2022 and uh it's basically just like a little a little write-up about like the basically about like reactionary trads and their interest in christianity um and basically why that's like a sort of a misguided um uh, attempt at, as this guy calls it, anti-politics. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to, uh, like, give you a, a shout out, because when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, like, you're, you're the one who pointed out that a lot of, a lot of people, like, um, like, Honor Levi, or whatever her name is, are, like, <laughs> are, like trying to use, you know, uh, Christianity as a way to, like, opt out from political discourse. Um, mm-hmm. That is what I said, yeah. That is um, well, it's what she said. And, right, that's true. Um, but yeah, it's it's true. Um, yeah, I loved this article. I felt felt very like angry almost reading it because I was like, I wished that we had written it. You yeah, know, I know. Um, this sucks. is I send you things like this all the time because I'm I'm just like perpetually afraid because we're on the cutting edge here, um, and other people are too, and so we really got to beat them to the punch. Um, yeah, but something I thought was interesting is that he talks about, okay, I'm just going to read a quote, actually, because I didn't take very good notes. I just pulled out quotes. So he writes, um, to ward off suspicion that there's nothing more to its political vision than boring conservative grievance, the post-liberal right, okay, side note, I love the phrase, or the term post-liberal right, because that is exactly what it is. So sorry, the post-liberal yeah. right often tells its story about culture war in the language of class struggle. This move sees the working class as the repository of tradition, remaining faithful to the values of family, faith, community, hard work, and the significant of place. The ruling class, the professional managerial class, or simply the elites, on the other hand, are depicted as the rootless soldiers of feminism, anti-racism, the LGBTQ movement, and everything else lumped under the umbrella of cultural liberalism or identity politics, classes, culture, end quote. And I feel like that encapsulated it so well because it's really what is going on when these people are like LARPing as like poor struggling artists but also like wearing Carhartt yeah. you know um yeah um my hat my, my hat is <laughs> oh my god you're wearing yeah. Carhartt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well well yeah well because yeah because we are we are trads though we're trying to like we're, we're trying to um dialectically move past these people uh but uh, yeah, no, I do think that, that 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 does like perfectly just capture like what the like 
you know, what their vibe, sorry, shit. You're going to edit out your <laughs> I know, I'm going to have to, I will, yeah, yeah, anyway, um, it, it does, like, capture what the, what their ethos just is, which is, like, that, that exactly, um, and it is, it is very LARPy, because it is, like, like, I think for a lot of these people, particularly the, like, rich New York art people, like, they just don't have any, like, they're, they're not working class, they're not even, like, middle class, they're just, like, rich art kids who are looking for signifiers that they think are emblematic of the kind of politics that they want people to think that they have. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and as Baker notes, um, tradition is a slippery beast and it's presumed contents very widely, which is, I don't know, just a nice note. And then one more thing. I'll read very short quote. He writes, the post-liberal worldview may be religious for those who identify tradition with the church, but it is not biblical. And I, oh, when I saw this chef's kiss, so true, go off. Um, nice. Yeah. And then he really goes on to talk about, actually. it is, Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. but I like um, it. Scriptura kind of situation. But yeah. I mean, I like it too. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about this the other day off mic um just that you know to be religious without the the political action maybe not political action maybe that's like too strong of a phrasing but without like action i think is sort of devoid and kind of misses the point yeah mm -hmm. um yeah i thought this was great um it's funny because this guy like he like is aware of this stuff it the, the, this, the tone that this article struck it seemed to me was like guy who is aware of this stuff because he has to be mm -hmm. um and not because he is like a little perverted freak like us who like actually just organically knows what red scare is um like what is this line okay um among he's referring to like people who are on this post-liberal right so among them are peter thiel a pod the podcast red scare the magazine compact the <laughs> the fake new york micro neighborhood dimes square and something called urbit which, as mm. best as I could tell, is a version of Substack for blockchain enthusiasts, a cinematic universe of Twitter and Tumblr accounts that talk about a, about wait a lot about extinction as a sort of spiritual disposition. Yes, it's a freak show. New Yorkers, tech bros, and media media sinecurists with too much time on their hands and an adolescent compulsion to provoke. Um, again, very nicely phrased, and I think one of my favorite lines from there is yes it's a freak show m dash new yorkers tech bros like new yorkers are just like contained within the set yeah freak well, that's, show. that's um, true that, yeah that, that was very good that's like the kind of line i would i would put in something just to be a little little jokester um so yeah uh i don't know what our takeaway from that uh, is other than you know we're on the beat also yeah i mean i'm obviously we're not really taking credit um I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to stay humble, but yeah. you... The spirit moved him to write this, and I, I told the spirit to, but... Okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you for your mm -hmm. service, then. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Actually, I take it back. The last takeaway, um, he writes, keeping the faith is not a substitute for politics, oh, something mm -hmm. to which we can turn when the odds of transformative change seem dim, but rather a method of developing the spiritual discipline to continue to participate in the familiar tasks of revolutionary mass politics, even when its success seems inconceivable. And that I really just found, I wrote in my notes, um, you know, the emoji with the tear, because yeah. I just think that's so 
nice um especially you know this came out a week ago or no not a week ago yesterday um oh well not yesterday by the time that you're yeah (laughs) you the listeners are hearing this but um i i'm curious about if he edited this post you know the supreme court decision um with the epa you mean (laughs) no not with the epa with with roe okay (laughs) Yeah, oh, also, also the just, EPA. Well, because that just also happened the EPA, yesterday. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's not that I'm so oblivious to the no, I know. of women's rights. <laughs> um, it's okay. You can be oblivious. Yeah, no. I, no, I told you I have a well-developed anima. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> so yeah, keep keep the faith, y'all. Right. That's yeah, and and use it, um, you know. Uh, proactively rather than as an escape or as an excuse um, for uh, mm-hmm. sort of allowing your your existing prejudices to fester. I think that's my that's my biggest uh, gripe with a lot of like reactionary trad kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I knew people like this in person. I really don't. Um, maybe that would make it harder for me to insult them. But like, I mean, I don't know. The only the like reactionary Christians I've known are not like trad art kids. They're just normal style mega church people. Yeah. Well, but don't you think that? Well, okay. So I was going to say that's because San Diego doesn't have like um, intellectual you know. culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is actually yeah, literally yeah. yeah. It's, really it's not like New York or intellectual in all of San Diego. Oh my god, yeah, it's not New York or Ann Arbor, which is um, definitely not New York. But I think some of the people here which wish it were. Um, but don't you think that like the the QAnon mega church kind of has some of these same oh. ideas? But I think that they're more like politically engaged. But I think that their politics isn't what we would consider politics, you know? Yeah, yeah. their politics is like scamming each other with MLMs. Like that's probably yeah. mostly what's going on there. I don't, if you took, if you took Honor Lili and put her Stop. in, and put her in the QAnon megachurch in Santee or wherever, I think she'd be like, what the fuck is this? She'd probably like be like i she would realize that at the end of the day she is like just like a regular liberal you know person you think so i i think i think like a lot of the um like the appeal of like this kind of like trad religiousy stuff for these like you know effete intellectual types is that it's so far distant from the social world that they occupy that it's like fun to LARP as. It's like, you know, if you took like a guy who is like loves the rent, like loves rent fairs and like put him in actual like Renaissance Milan or something, he'd like see a pile of human shit on the floor and like want to return to the, you know, contemporary world. Like it's just, it's just the comfort of the distance that makes like LARPing mm-hmm. fun. And I, I think like, you know, for some, at least some good set of these people, you might be able to shake them out of that i don't that that's that's just like a dumb intuition i have but Mm, i feel like it's different but i i'm trying to think of how i guess like obviously i think like the 
the Honor <laughs> Levies <laughs> and the, the Doshas of the world would right. find like the QAnon mega churches that are not in Santee, they're on Balboa. So <laughs> oh, okay. sorry. Don't be racist or not yeah. racist, but reverse yeah. racist. <laughs> You know what is in Santee that I've been to is the Creation Museum. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. we gotta go. We we should go. I can. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, they have yeah, a baby but... Triceratops in a box, like as though it's on Noah's Ark. It's very cool. It's adorable. Oh, that's cute. Okay, why, why I'm does excited. Noah have dinosaurs on his boat? I don't know. We'll find out. But go on. Yeah, that's very Mormon. I mm. feel. But um, okay. Anyway, uh, but yeah, the so while I think that the honors and the doshas would find the QAnon people like tacky I still think that they would like respect them and align with them more than they would like you or I really I do think so I a think little they bit would see that we dressed better and that would make them feel more comfortable immediately but they would but you've got to remember what Eric Baker said about the romanticization of like the working class or whatever. They would think that we're true. like yeah. um culture like cultural elites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean they shouldn't think that. Except yeah. maybe you, the only intellectual in San Diego. That's true. Um, but certainly yeah. not me. I'm a dime a dozen. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, until you come to San Diego and then you'll be the second intellectual in San Diego. <laughs> Guys, this is a joke. I love San Diego. Um, yeah, I, come I to our too. salon. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think that, you know, horseshoe theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not in this. I mean, I do. I know what you're talking about, but not how it pertains to this. The Honors and the um, QAnon people right. oh, are okay. on the, the ends of the horseshoe, so they're closer than you and I are. We're full moderate liberals at this point compared to them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't, I'm I'm not a moderate liberal, but yeah. Yes, you are. You hid your Biden poster right before we started recording. (laughs) I saw, (laughs) you thought I didn't see. That's true. Yeah, then my Stacey Abrams tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) That's so dumb. (laughs) but all right so that's that's that that's that um thanks eric baker um uh talk soon um okay uh so what's going on what's going on with postmodernism huh um i guess okay here let me do let me do like a very brief thing um so I guess like, cause I was, lis- I was listening back to the modernism episode and, and I'll just like make like a, um, a con- for continuity with that one, I'll just say, uh, the reason that we're doing this now is because a lot of people like, like I kind of said at the top of the episode, like a lot of people think we're like in some sort of postmodern condition, you know, like, like what we've, like the the world is is in some sort of like postmodern condition and this is often like conflated with like post truth or like i don't know like some sort of uh un like utterly uh uh like irreconcilable subjectivity and relativism um and i think that's why like people again this is all like in the sort of pop culture understanding of postmodernism um and i guess like in keeping with the theme of the pod like we are interested in the way that that religion also plays into this or the effects that this like sort of cultural status effect has on 
like spiritual practice and all that. Um, so yeah, just to, just to, to plug that, that bit of continuity there. Um, and, oh, and I'll say, I guess we'll, we'll start at the, at the top. And I think like the, I think I was telling you this, Riley, when we were talking on the phone before, that I think like a lot of, you can understand like a lot about postmodernism or like, you know, I, I'm going to, I don't even know what the difference between postmodernism and poststructuralism is. Do you? No. And I was like really trying to decipher this yesterday. It seems like structuralism, post-structuralism, and deconstruction were all mm-hmm. part of like a postmodernist turn within academia. Okay. Um, and I feel like uh, maybe with all things academic, I'm not sure how like relevant this is to like most people. Yeah. You know? No, I think um, that's right. Yeah. So that's my my hunch, but I think it's it's kind of like hard to say because I'm not really familiar with like what critical theory was before the postmodern era or if it even existed. I don't think it did. I think it is like a kind of, it's like a postmodern project. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that just very briefly, I think like through um, like, what is it? Uh, Leotard's postmodern, the postmodern condition, which is a book um, that basically just describes the, like kind of what's often given as like the central thesis of po- the postmodernism that there is like no meta narrative so there's no like controlling overarching like narrative that all other narratives are like sort of i don't know um like uh like secondary to or subsumed by or something like instead you get like a bunch of localized discourses um, and those discourses like sort of tangle and argue with each other. Um, and that's like kind of all there is at the end of the day. Like there's no, there's no like bedrock of like, ah, we've like achieved scientific certainty or like religious certainty or something like that. It's all of that is sort of like problematized through a series of competing discourses. Um, and I think like understanding that that's the kind of like basic epistemic position is like a good enough to get in the door and understand like what the rest of what's going on is. Does that strike you as right? Yeah, and I would just add that, like, while, like, fragmentation, so, so like, kind of to unpack the the meta narrative, grand narrative thing a little more. So, like, while modernism also deals with like fragmentation and um, stuff like that, it sees modernism would see that as like a problem that can be solved, um, whereas postmodernism is like, okay, we're all fragmented, and like, whatever. Um, oh well <laughs> like that's that's yeah. just how it it is yeah like um, hijinks ensue yeah so and also um i just wanted to do like a disclaimer that while i was reading about this yesterday um it really struck me that there is no although like we're gonna joke about it that there is like a clear divide between modernism and postmodernism um there is like a lot of gray area and you know that's because they are both just like cycles within modernity as um you put last time so that's my disclaimer yeah i think that's a good disclaimer especially given that we came to blows and almost ended the entire podcast over whether existentialism uh counted as a postmodern or a modern movements yep um, and i maintain that it is postmodern um right so <laughs> right well that's because yeah you're living in a post-truth era 
Um, so well, you can, that's true for your yeah for that your is finger. true for me yeah it's true for and me. everyone else right except well, you apparently no not in my discourses <laughs> that's because you're okay we can't never mind yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can't get into it again but <laughs> yeah sorry for airing our dirty laundry yeah jeez. Um, all right well okay but well but uh <laughs> so uh at the beginning i was asking riley you know whether things are postmodern or modern um kind of as a quick little vibe check game uh and this comes from uh oh, a weird list on wikipedia that she sent me which she'll now explain because i really still don't understand what's going on with it yes well yeah so ihab hassan was um a literary theorist and he was writing about postmodernism and so he made this list of the the table of differences between modernism and postmodernism which you can read on wikipedia if you look up ihab hassan so i find this maybe wrong on some way in some ways like i don't think he gets it quite right but i think it is helpful for like fleshing out how modernism versus postmodernism is just a vibe and you either get it or you don't i get it lorenzo doesn't uh, right yeah yeah <laughs> so he writes um <laughs> that so for example <clears throat> okay i'm just gonna do them in like modernism postmodernism mm -hmm. so form versus anti-form purpose versus play design versus chance hierarchy versus anarchy distance versus participation um i think that's a good one for thinking about like the meta narratives because you can't like narrativize something unless you have like a critical distance from it mm -hmm. um so you know going on presence versus absence um metaphor versus metonymy like, oh you didn't come to my party the other day your absence was so postmodern. <laughs> that's so dumb like but what yeah, does yeah. Versus absence mean i don't know that's okay. a thing i don't know what he's talking it's about very postmodern of you to bail on me <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> i don't know readerly versus writerly narrative versus anti-narrative oh you don't like readerly versus writerly <laughs> those even words yeah all right all right um symptom versus desire uh phallic versus androgynous interesting paranoia interesting. versus schizophrenia uh determinacy versus indeterminacy metaphysics versus irony i want us to talk more about irony and then this one or two more the first transcendence versus imminence confusing to me the last one god the father versus the holy ghost i don't know that one really okay what um, do you think yeah that one i had a, i had a harebrained theory about that one so here's here's how it is uh the you know a meta narrative, very paternal, right? There's somebody there. They're telling you what to do. It's your dad. He's there. He's got orders for you. You don't question those orders. It's your dad, God the Father, Holy Ghost. Very dispersed. We each experience the Spirit in our own ways. It's a very personal sort of thing. Being moved by the Spirit, localized. There it is. 
not so not there is no like meta thing telling you what to do it's it's your internal life narrative which is informed by the spirit so So catholicism versus protestantism yeah that too i guess so Mm. yeah yeah how does it feel to be (laughs) postmodern well i'm actually metamodern because oh right right yeah yeah because um because episcopalianism is like a weird sort of like half hybrid that's so true that's so true yeah (laughs) um but no jokes aside i do think that is the the god the father and the holy ghost split um cool See, I get so you, it. You get it, yeah. I, get it at the end. yeah. I don't get it. I get it for, like, more substantive objects like that when it's, like, you know, I don't know, like, Birkenstocks versus Tevas or something, you know? Actually, you said both of those were modern, huh? Yeah, both of those are What's modern. What's the postmodern sandal option? You know those, like, wedge flip-flops? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it um <laughs> just like looking for something you don't like <laughs> no i just think that's like so postmodern yeah because it's like insane why yeah. would you wear wedged flip-flops right to the beach maybe because break an ankle yeah maybe because you're short and you want to look really stupid and also for people to still know you're short but you still but you also look stupid yeah apologies to any of our listeners um, but hopefully this is a, a wake-up call. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't apologize. You're welcome, actually. Reject post-modernity. Embrace tradition. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, I'm looking at this list now. And he notes that the, quote, the dichotomies on this, this table represents, remain insecure, equivocal. For differences shift, defer, even collapse. Concepts in any one vertical column are not all equivalent uh inversions and exceptions abound to which i say why categorize it all you know that's like such a and i think that's a very postmodern thing to say you Mm -hmm. know to be like well this is all subjective this is just my opinion yeah yeah so he should be fascistly putting his opinion onto us and saying this is right yeah someone's gotta So before we get into kind of like talking a little bit about irony and maybe some like examples of how this irony like plays out in postmodernism, et cetera, et cetera, I thought it could be helpful to look at two poems to compare modernist poetry to postmodern poetry. I admittedly know very little about postmodern poetry, so I did Google that. Um, and that's how I found the poem I'm going to read. But first I wanted to read um, The Second Coming by Yeats. So yes, The Second Coming by W.B. Yeats. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Near anarchy is loosed upon the world. 
the blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming! Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle, and what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. And end poem. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I really, I yeah, that's love nice. Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah, a very famous poem. You know, you might recognize. You know, things fall apart; the center cannot hold. Um, mm -hmm. And also slouches toward Bethlehem. Um, so yeah, this poem. I never mind. I don't know when it was written. Um, <laughs> in the modernist era. Yeah. So. Wait, just poem? real quick, real quick though. Yeah. Like, what about that Yeats poem like makes it definitively modern for the lay listener, and and the lay podcaster? That's a great question. Um, I think that. Okay, here's what I'll say. Um, thematically, he's really talking about like the end of the world coming and sort of like this desperate need for something to like fix it or like happen mm -hmm. finally. Um, so he talks about like the falconer cannot hear the falconer, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. So it's sort of like dealing with this, you know, fragmentation that was mentioned at the top of the episode. Um, and although it is like dealing with this fragmentation, it's still very like coherent and unified and there's definitely like a view of it and it has like a nice meter. It really, yeah, I guess that's what I'd say. Once yeah. again, I don't study modernist poetry or poetry at all. So I'm really no, yeah. no expert here. No, but I think that's enough to get, that's enough to get the point, yeah. Cool, would you like to hear the Ron yes, Silliman poem yes. now? Hit me with that silly poem. Okay, and Ron Silliman, so Yeats was writing in the early 20th century and Ron Silliman was not even born until 1946. So that's just an idea of timeline. So yeah, this poem is called You, Part One, and it's for Pat Silliman. I don't know who that is, maybe his son. Okay, one. Hard dreams, the moment at which you recognize that your own death lies in wait somewhere within your body. A lone ship defines the horizon. The rain is not safe to drink. In Grozny, in Bihach, the idea of history shudders with each new explosion. The rose lies unattended, wild thorns at the edge of a mass grave. Between classes, over strong coffee, young men argue the value of a pronoun. When this you see, remember, note in a bottle, bobs in a cartoon sea the radio operator's name is sparks hand outlined in paint on a brick wall storm turns playground into a swamp finally we spot the wood duck on the middle lake the dashboard of my car like the key of a piano toy animals everywhere sun swells in the morning sky 
Man with three pens clipped to the neck of his sweatshirt shuffles from one table to the next, seeking distance from the cold January air out the coffee house door, tall styrofoam cup in one hand, of grammatology in the other. Outside, a dog is tied to an empty bench, bike chained to the no parking sign. End poem. <laughs> so you can cool. see that they're different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very different. Um, of grammatology in his hand, kind of a, you know, didn't need to name check that. Yeah. That was a little heavy handed in my view, but. Um, but yeah, I think also nice yeah. in a, a different way. Um, definitely yeah. less coherent maybe, or less like the, the imagery isn't as, well, no, I think the imagery is clearer in some ways. Like it's, it's definitely yeah. like describing things that are very like evocative and emotional. Um, right. But. Yeah, I got the sense of like just rapid cuts from like scenes that were disturbing, but I didn't get long enough time to sit with each one to understand what's going on. Or yeah, so like if that. the Yates is describing fragmentation in like a very like routine, like um, rhythmic, you know, iambic maybe way. Silliman yeah. is describing this fragmentation, but he's just running with it, you know, he's just like describing it. Yeah. Um, and embodying, like embodying it, yeah. Or something. Yeah. So yeah, I hope I wish that we would have done some more examples in the modernism episodes. So this is me making up for that. And I hope that yeah. it wasn't so horrible, <laughs> you know. No, those are no, those are beautiful. I, I have oh. a poem for you. Um we will not be delayed. We will not be masquerade Stop. to the tale of the handmaid. <laughs> no. We will not let Roe v. Wade slowly fade because when we show oh up today, God. we're only standing up with the tomorrow we made. Let's get to work. Colon bit dot ly forward slash Roe w y c. I'm sorry. We can't slander <laughs> no, I, Amanda I, I, Gorman I, on this pod. We'll get canceled. Everyone loves her. I know. Why? I, know, I don't know. I know. I when I saw that I was like are you kidding me are you kidding like this is the that was like and then handmade is misspelled it's like <gasps> handmade like she spelled it m-a-d-e wow. like like a handmade pot maybe it's ironic um, a language game <laughs> that would be that would be so cool if she was like just fucking with everybody oh, that would so be brilliant. rough I think um, of her I would have massive respect for her if that's what her I think was. of her so young but I think she's a year younger than I am mm -hmm. and that's yeah she's yeah. so rough i just yeah. no the best postmodern um political poem is actually a meme it's all the memes of kamala harris saying we did it joe <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that's yeah. that's my favorite <laughs> poem those are good ones um so how do you think irony how, like how do you how do you think irony factors into say like the form because i think it would be at the formal level of the latter poem rather than in its specific content. I think, well, I think it's a little ironic for, um, oh my gosh, of course I closed the tab. I think it's a little ironic content wise where he talks, he writes mm -hmm. like the rose lies unattended, wild thorns at the edge of a mass grave between classes over strong coffee, young men argue the value of a pronoun. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know when this was written again. Yeah. <laughs> I really should look it yeah. up. But um, just like that, you know, quick flip or like juxtaposition, mm -hmm. if you want to use a fancy word, okay. um, I yeah. think is a little ironic in that it's just like 
keeping you from, I don't know, having a narrative, but then how is that ironic, I guess, is the question. Well, because I think like, so we talked about this, we, we talked about modernity, not modernism, modernity as a structure of feeling in the previous episode. And I think we wanted to say that that post-modernity is similarly a structure of feeling. And it's one that's in some sense contained within part of an outgrowth, some has some sort of relationship, important relationship with modernity, Um, but it's also its own structure of feeling. And I think like the, the thing that characterizes like the flavor of that feeling is irony in a lot of cases, um, right? Like this is yeah. kind of the, this or is, yeah. Playfulness, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, okay, the one class at SDSU I <laughs> took on, uh, just kidding, I don't remember what it was, but uh, we talked about like lipo poetry or like, um, like play poetry, the situationists, um, just like, you know, making the world strange in a way, which I think is, I can't explain why it's ironic, but it is ironic, you know? Yeah. It's it's like ironic to make something mean something else. Yeah. Right? I yeah, don't know. I guess because there's a kind of subversion. Mm. Um, um, yeah, in Being a Nothingness, Sartre has a, uh, he has a section about irony, and in it he has a definition of it that I've always been very drawn to. So it goes like this, in irony, a man annihilates what he posits within one and the same act. He leads us to believe in order to not be believed. He affirms to deny and denies to affirm. He creates a positive object, but it has no bearing other than its nothingness. And I found, I always found that really like a sympathetic sort of um, like just conception of it because uh, like that's like to me the fun of irony. Like sarcasm is very boring, right? Like sarcasm is like a boring and useless speech act. Like if you're just like, oh yeah, like I love Marvel movies, you know, or uh, like clearly what I mean is I don't like them and it's kind of like why I even say like it's not funny to say it like that but like being ironic by like I don't know um you know saying just, you're a protestant yeah by saying I'm a protestant and like affirming this full well see that's not really that's just me like gaslighting myself into actually believing that but like yeah. um but you know similar things like that you know um wearing wearing hunter camo crocs for instance what what do I mean by that Clearly, I don't mean that I'm actually like a redneck hunter guy, but I, you know, what do I mean? Nothing. I don't know. It's funny. Um, And I think this is like that kind of like playfulness of just like, what are you even saying? Like, what's going on? Like, you clearly don't mean what you're actually saying, but it's not clear if you mean the opposite. Like, what that is like, is the structure of feeling at play here? Um, And at play is, is the right word, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, And maybe this is like too much of a side note, but I think that this is why I find, or like one of many reasons I find like the, the ironic like Catholicism so like horrible (laughs) is because it, it's saying like, it, it, it feels ironic, but it's like, okay, well, what do you believe then? Right. 
you know i'm yeah. not explaining it but no i no way that that's like, all that needs to be said it's like mm -hmm. you don't clearly actually or maybe you do but like you know like what is what do you mean like if you're wearing like a father son and holy spirit bikini or whatever like what are you what are you saying like you're denying something um it's actually not even clear what is being denied there but you're not affirming anything right. in any yeah clear way yeah and i'm thinking about how like with belief it's like the concept of belief it's tricky like zizek come on mm -hmm. the pod <laughs> always yeah. says that belief is like always deferred it's always like belief in something else um mm -hmm. so it's already not a positive object so mm -hmm. like when you deny it what yeah are you doing yeah yeah and i think that is you know that it like in small doses it's fun you know like like my hunter camo crocs i think that's that's like wait i can't hear you, you... no you're completely silent oh no i heard that oh can you hear me now yeah now i can you weren't muted though i don't know what yeah i know sometimes i think it just does that but okay sorry yeah. um it's but yeah it can be fun um, it can be fun to be ironic i do i love irony i love ironic comedy yeah you know? yeah it's great it's really funny it is it's and like i can't get on well with people who don't have like a good taste and a good sense for irony like it i find it like i i just like we have like a just a mismatch in the way that our worlds are are built mm -hmm. um but that said i think a lot of times because it has this like purely negative effect like this or this purely negative affect like i think that it, it uh it, it becomes corrosive when it just is like the whole you know like way that things are getting on mm -hmm. what are you are you laughing at something no, nothing. You just look at annoyed at the noise in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have like, like <laughs> I have a tragically like expressive face. I simply I can mm -hmm. never. I just can't like be, remain stoic. I just I yeah. No, me too. Character. And once and maybe I've told you about how once I was like in a a meeting with a professor who told me I need to work on my game face. Um, and I was like, what does that mean later? And she was like, you just, it's so clear how you feel about everything. And like, you don't hold like your cards close to your chest. Yeah. And then later she like pulled me aside and she was like, I take it back. I think that's a good thing about you. And it makes you very like unique and special. And I was like, okay, thank you. But yeah. I do think like irony, it's important to know when to deploy that. I don't Maybe. know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like neurological for me. Like I didn't even realize I was making an annoyed face at the trash truck, but, but I was. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So the, you have to understand there. So the different apartment complexes contract with different dumpster companies that pick up trash on different days. So right. uh, they come down like three or four days a week. It's very postmodern. It is very postmodern of them. Yeah. They each Capitalism have their own narrative. It's very postmodern. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. No central planning. Okay. So a kind of like watershed moment, a big a big thing that happened in this sort of like development of postmodernism. Um, post-modernity, I should say, I suppose, is that 
it, it's kind of weird because there's there's a lot of levels of postmodern modernity happening here. Like, so the Sokol affair was an event where Alan Sokol, who was a British or no, an American professor at NYU, okay, in uh, let's see, in 1996, like submitted like a totally nonsense article to a social text, which was a pretty important academic journal um, in postmodern cultural studies. So the article was called Transgressing the Boundaries Toward a Transformative Hermeneutics of Quantum Gravity. And it was published in the Science Wars issue. Um, the Science Wars were like a thing in the 90s where a bunch of postmoderns decided to start like just taking pot shots at science by doing some discourse analysis of like what's going on in science. Um, and like those absolute nerds uh, just freaked out over it and it started a whole war. Um, thousands died. Um, it was it was violent, and nice. people people remain bitter to this day. Um, I I say this is probably at least a huge part of why so many science people like look very dis, uh, dis, uh, uh, disdainfully at the humanities. But anyway, this this paper uh, was just like total nonsense. It was just like postmodern cultural studies gobbledygook, you know, like. Yeah, I guess like the point, like the the point of the Sokol affair is to describe academic postmodernism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another way that this, or like another example of this is that there's this website um, that will generate a title of a postmodern academic article. It's, um, you can find it on elsewhere.org uh, slash POMO. Uh, so for example, the Discourse of Futility, Patriarchal Theory in the Works of Maplethorpe. That's definitely real. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't sound like it would even be nonsense. Well, that's the joke. Bataillist yeah. Powerful Communication and Neotextual Capitalism, Socialist Realism and Post-Dialectic Marxism. And I think the point is just that I don't know, you can study anything yeah. <laughs> nowadays. Right. Um, you know, as exemplified by my nonsense dissertation I'm writing. It's like, I don't know, it's fine. You know, it's good even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, like, it was it was a big, the way that I, actually, I think Adam Hammond was the one who, who was telling me about this. Um, but like, during this period, like in the 80s and 90s or whatever, like maybe early 2000s to some extent, like because the like thing that was in fashion was discourse analysis, people who did literary studies and comparative studies and stuff just really had like the world was their oyster because everything's discourse. So you can just like do discourse analysis on anything. Um, and you can use like a few like Lacanian tools or Deridian deconstruction or whatever you want. You just like pop some of those guys out, stick it into whatever discourse you like and produce some sort of interesting result. Analyze a few power dynamics and make sure to like, you know, nod to the right standpoint epistemolo epistemological sort of like constraints. And there you go, uh, published, which is what I think Sokol, uh, Alan Sokol was sort of like, clowning yeah. on but hilariously the whole affair itself was very postmodern. i mean it was like this you know it was very ironic it was very mm -hmm. um like that's what like i meant playful definitely yeah, yeah like when i said that uh, um it's like postmodern on multiple levels like one he's 
poking fun at the postmodern stuff, but he's unwittingly falling kind of right into the trap of the entire thing um, by becoming an object of, of postmodernity himself. Yeah, and then for him to like publish a book about the, the thing, you mm. know. He wrote a book about it? Oh yeah. That's, that's pretty weak. That's some, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I bet it helped him get tenure too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's fine. That's whatever. Yeah. What do you want to finish out by chatting about the grammar of the world? Yes. Well, okay. So I guess the last thing, so like th this is, I, I guess, like the problem, like, or the, like the postmodern situation that we find ourselves in. And I do think we should at least say like, how do you, how do you, how do you think like spirituality fits into this? Like I was reading around a little bit about it and it seems like that, you know, I, I think at least it seems there are like postmodern theologians, um, but like like Milbank, who is actually Anglican, but like the, it seems to me that just the structure of like religious observance is kind of like earnest in a way that like denies the the basic like you know premise of the postmodern move. Um, but I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Hmm. Well, I wonder. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't have any thoughts about it. I think I feel like, like sure, like, traditional religion maybe does stand like apart from it, but I think that the like fragmentation of spirituality into like so many different discrete categories yeah. that are just like, you know, further and further categorized is very postmodern. Yeah, that's true actually. So that's oh. my thought. Yeah. Yeah, and like the um, like the fact that there are so many different little those we call them like misenchantments or like different different like micro spiritualities and stuff um, are like I think that is the kind of fragmentation that you're that you're referring to, right? And like yeah, or and, just and, thinking back to sorry to interrupt, um, but to Taylor's secular age where we all have like the options to believe whatever we want, like that is very right. postmodern. Like as Latour puts it, we all have our own truths. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think that's right, and I think that the and the fact that this is sort of like encouraged, like this kind of like pluralism is is not, it's not seen as in the popular culture as a problem. Like people often are like, yeah, like whatever spiritual, you know, thing works for you, whether that's like rock climbing or yoga or like, you know, some church or something like that. Like people are very affirming, which I don't think is necessarily bad. Like, you know, I, I'm kind of pluralist too. It, it, it happens, yeah, definitely. But like, but like but that like, is, there isn't like a meta level spiritual uh, meta narrative. Like it is just, you know, I guess we do live in like that kind of fragmentation where everybody's sort of like encouraged to develop their own truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the mind resists this. <laughs> um, and I think people at some level resist this, uh, which is kind of like the transition to the next. The last thing we'll talk about, which is a blog post by the philosopher Justin E.H. Smith, who I like. Um, He's a kind of interesting character. Uh, he, he writes in a way that, that I find like pretentious, but in a way that I really like. <laughs> um, 
anyway, he, he, the blog post is called, uh, I've lost it in my sea of tabs, The Grammar of the World. Um, and it was written in 2021, March 2021. But in it, uh, Smith is basically making an argument that like, there are that we live in like a new era of uh, what he calls CRISPR realism, which is sort of a corny play on words, um, where he's referring to the technology CRISPR that uh, sort of uh, points to our ability to like understand the fundamental elements of human nature, um, like just in its ability to manipulate uh, those elements through genetic sequencing. Um, but it's also a play on words because CRISPR, and it sounds like CRISPR, like more more clear. So basically, he outlines through a bunch of different examples, like from uh, like language to like the periodic table to like guitar chords, like different ways that like there are underlying grammars to different different like ways of knowledge that are not like necessary. That these these underlying grammars, which are often taken as like given, are actually could have been otherwise, right? Like the way that notes are organized on a guitar could have been different. Um, the way that language produces like different rules for conjugation could have been different and like sort of connotes different like ways of understanding the world. But I think at the end he sort of says that like in spite of that, or like, okay, so like, this is kind of the case, but like, uh, like in spite of that, I guess we tend toward wanting there to be some sort of underlying grammar. Um, and he uses it as an example of this, the kind of like CRISPR realism, which is that people still, in spite of the fact that there are these like multiple shifting sort of accidental grammars that structure a lot of different things, we like people still like want to justify their beliefs and things in like some sort of natural order right um and i i think he uses like gender politics as one example um like that people don't like justify like people who you know are advocating for a more inclusive understandings of gender don't say like ah you see we've like problematized the discourse and if we use this like postmodern method of like you know discourse analysis we can produce multiple like gender expression like that's not what they do they try to appeal to some sort of like no like actually this like mythos of like an xx and an xy chromosome type person is not that way like if we look more closely at the science of it there's multiple different expressions of, of, sec of sex and so and so too with gender for these like real psychological and cultural reasons that are like naturalistically part of the world um and so i think his, his view that was that in spite of these the the shiftiness of grammars we still like kind of end up falling back into the desire for a more static one yeah and i think that this has to do with, I just mentioned a minute ago, um, what Latour says about like us all having our own truths and um, this guy, <laughs> Smith, sorry, uh, starts out with that. And I think that is like an interesting like point to make about postmodernism is that it is much like, uh, I wrote that it's about like localization and I don't think that this is entirely bad um and I also think it's necessary like as we become so technologized like we can't have a grand narrative because we simply like the world is simply too big you know but so I think 
in the future i would like to think more about like the scale of these things um mm -hmm. but i i think that he is still right that there is still like this longing for maybe a time before we like knew so much about like the i don't know just like the increasingly like scientized <laughs> like scientized yeah. um like understanding of everything yeah like gender the periodic table or um whatever else yeah i don't know is that yeah right? no I, I think that's right and he ends with this um i'll read it in any case it's clear where i stand to a great degree we make our own world and we should remain wary of any movement any political allegiance that claims to be taking its uh, dictates directly from what science reveals about reality it's always a lot more complicated than that this is one of the most valuable and timeless lessons of postmodernism so he actually this is actually like you know a bit of uh, a defense of of that that postmodern observation that like all of these different grammars that are that purport to underlie the world are still are like in some sense accidental like there's no necessary logical structure that underlies like any any given war like structure in the world even though people people like long for that or like want to fall back on that um but the fact remains that all of these things are are kind of like there's like a an inescapable pluralism about like the way that things could have been organized. Yeah, and I think that I was thinking about this in terms of um, people saying like, believe science. Um, yeah. Ooh, this is, I shouldn't tell this personal story because I don't want to flame the person it's about, but my sister was telling me about how a member of our family was saying like that <laughs> the news shouldn't be allowed to say things that aren't factually true my sister was like, well, freedom of the press. And this relative was like, well, no, because science. And then I looked up and discovered that um, ivermectin actually does um, minimize COVID deaths. Uh, and everyone, we were all like making fun of the, like, yeah, the science has now said that ivermectin okay. actually does work. And it's like, damn, and we were all calling those people like, um, oh, they're taking horse dewormers. Right. And basically science is fake. Science is also constructed. And I think that like a belief in, um, like to believe science is, I feel like a reaction to postmodernism maybe, or it's like a longing for some type of narrative, but it's like not understanding that like, it's also like believing science is just like, I don't know, like, it's a meta narrative. It's, it's like -narrative. Want, it's wanting there to be, yeah, it's just like, you know, everybody wants to somebody to tell them what to do, or not everybody, but a lot of people want somebody to tell them what to do. Um, and like, science can do that for you, right? Like the, the sort of like, myth of like, like, uh, you know, some sort of technocratic uh, power that can just order your life is like a, another, it's, it's just a, it's a stand in dad. Yeah, well, I just wrote in my notes, and we're going to talk about this on the next episode that metamodernism is best exemplified in those um, yard signs that say like, in this house, we <laughs> like... Wait, what? Why? Why is that metamodern? Stay tuned. Oh my god. All right. All right. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying yeah. some stuff out. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. it is because it's like returning to like a, a meta narrative. It's like declaring what you believe as like your organizing mm. principles. God is true. love. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, just kidding. That does mean something. But 
Yeah. What is yeah. that? I don't know. I mean, I but hate those take, signs. take this, take this for counterexample. Those signs are cringe and dumb, and metamodernism is cool and based. I don't think any. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> of these uh, isms are cool and based. What Just is? Just kidding, except Just modernism. <laughs> but not the fascist part. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I guess that's that's where we end up is that, you know, uh, it seems that I, I do think postmodernism, I'll just say, like that that basic like observation, the one that Smith ends on, I think is right. Like I do think like sadly, tragically, frustratingly, there isn't like any sort of, you know, like there's no like underlying logical structure that's gonna tell us how things are and ought to be, um, even probably in science. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, even, okay, I don't even, think it's not even for okay. me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. especially, okay. no, just kidding. Well, but. definitely not in any sort of like social or human science. Physics, maybe, you know, could like get close, but probably still not. That's the one where I'm like, maybe, well, like, where I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know, but like, for sure, not any social science. Like, that's just obviously all made up. So, yeah. 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 This is an anti-science podcast. This isn't, um, yeah, I don't believe science. Um, no, I don't believe science. I only need scripture. Um, that's, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah, so postmodernism, just another structure of feeling, yeah. just another epicycle of modernity. Right. Are we in it still? Hard to say. Um, mm -hmm. Not modernity, postmodernism. Post yeah. I don't think so, actually. I think, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it ended um, uh, like a couple weeks ago. No, um, <laughs> recently, though, I feel like. Recently, ended, I think? Yeah. Yeah, well, like, like in the pa within the past, like, five, six years. Yeah. Interesting. I don't want to say, I don't want to say, like, Trump, but, like, something about that era, I think. The, the vibe mm -hmm. shifted. The vibe shifted post, like, post in the post-Trump time dang okay i'm gonna have to think about it i might say earlier do you think so well my first um instinct was to be like a real you know contemporary scholar and say everything changed with 9 11 um yeah yeah but i the, or the financial crash or the financial yeah. crash yeah but i don't i don't know i'll have to mm. think about it more when did those yard signs start showing up <laughs> around trump around trump right oh those, my those god are, yeah so dumb. I I'm sorry to, I know the people who have the signs mean well. I just think it's well. like so annoying. Yeah. They're, they're hilarious. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah. No? Well. Okay. Um, I guess I'll see you in heaven. Oh yeah. I'll see you in heaven. <laughs>